I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning, Prakaftans. Hope you are doing well. Before we start today, I have something that I want to tell you about. Yes, even you ad-free listeners, because you may well want to know. As I mentioned yesterday, we started something called the Stoic Path. It is a Discord community, but it's not the same as our listener Discord community. First, it's not free. It's $10 a month. And second, it's not casual. It's something between a formal school and a book club. Led by myself and Kai Whiting, this is an ongoing education, study, and practice community. It provides weekly homework, exclusive academic lectures, fireside chats, and guest speakers every month, and is growing into what we hope will become the most purpose-driven Stoic community online, full of people who want to apply Stoicism, actual Stoicism, in their communities and in their lives to the benefit of the entire cosmopolis. It's not for everyone. It's for people who want help structuring their practice and getting support and direction when needed. If you'd like to check it out, there's a link in this episode's show notes, and you can learn more by clicking on it. Okay, today we have a letter. Letter number 69 from Seneca. Why letter 69? Because I personally have experienced a lot of anxiety in my life around, let's say, nervous energy. And one of the ways that I've dealt with that stress is by allowing for a certain amount of chaos, because when there is chaos, there is no time to be anxious. It took me a while to learn how to stop doing this, to get myself focused, to take my life more seriously, and to confront things that were hard for me. And I think that this letter would have helped me to do this sooner than I did it. And so I thought it would be a good one to share, since we're all at the beginning, still, of a new year, and people may be looking to big changes in plans to distract them from the boring, stressful work of the everyday life and of improving themselves. Here's how letter 69 reads. I do not like you to change your headquarters and scurry about from one place to another. My reasons are, first, that such frequent flitting means an unsteady spirit and the spirit cannot through retirement grow into unity unless it has ceased from its inquisitiveness and its wanderings. To be able to hold your spirit in check, you must first stop the runaway flight of the body. My second reason is this, that the remedies which are most helpful 
are those which are not interrupted. You should not allow your quiet or the oblivion to which you have consigned your former life to be broken into. Give your eyes time to unlearn what they have seen and your ears to grow accustomed to more wholesome words. Whenever you stir abroad, you will meet, even as you pass from one place to another, things that will bring your old cravings back. Just as he who tries to be rid of an old love must avoid every reminder of the person once held dear, for nothing grows again so easily as love. Similarly, he who would lay aside his desire for all the things which he used to crave so passionately must turn away both eyes and ears from the objects which he has abandoned. The emotions soon return to the attack. At every turn, they will notice before their eyes an object worth their attention. There is no evil that does not offer inducements. Avarice promises money, luxury a varied assortment of pleasures, ambition a purple robe and applause, and the influence which results from applause, and all that influence can do. Vices tempt you by the rewards which they offer. But in the life of which I am speaking, you must live without being paid. Scarcely will a whole lifetime suffice to bring our vices into subjection and to make them accept the yoke, swollen as they are by long, continued indulgence, and still less if we cut into our brief span by any interruptions. Even constant care and attention can scarcely bring any one undertaking to full completion. If you will give ear to my advice, ponder and practice this, how to welcome death, or even, if circumstances commend that course, to invite it. There is no difference whether death comes to us or whether we go to death. Make yourself believe that all ignorant men are wrong when they say, it is a beautiful thing to die one's own death. But there is no man who does not die his own death. What is more, you may reflect on this thought. No one dies except on his own day. You are throwing away none of your time, for what you leave behind does not belong to you. I was drawn to this letter partially because of my upcoming relocation to Portugal. Part of that move is rooted in a sort of exhaustion and annoyance with American politics. And I've spoken about this before. And I'm always wondering to myself, and I guess out loud on this podcast, if the answer to that exhaustion is to learn to go within, or as I've said before, is to isolate myself from the source of the exhaustion and frustration and give myself the stillness and space to do as Seneca suggests in this letter when he says, Just as he who tries to be rid of an old love must avoid every reminder of the person once held dear, for nothing grows again so easily as love. Similarly, he who would lay aside his desire for all things which he used to crave so passionately must turn away both eyes and ears from the objects which he has abandoned. I think it's odd to say that I love American politics, but I will admit that it is difficult to not involve myself in them, partially, of course, because I'm American, but then also partially because I'm a little bit opinionated. And that might be the single biggest understatement I've ever made on this podcast. I very much enjoy discussing politics. I can sometimes not even help myself but to do so. Even when I say to myself, I won't engage, I won't engage, I won't engage, it seems I can never avoid doing so. In this way, I suspect that getting 
physically away from the stimuli that prompts me to consider and then give into the action of engagement will help my goal to form a healthier relationship with U.S. politics. I've also said in the past that this is practical stoicism, not do it this way or else stoicism. Part of what can make stoicism so initially challenging and off-putting to many people, in my opinion, is that there is a way to do it right and a way to do it wrong, stoicism that is, when in reality there isn't. Stoicism asks us to assess and think about what is appropriate for us given our roles. So, in truth, no two Stoics act the same, even if they have very similar-looking lives and situations from an outsider's perspective. I've spoken about this at length before, so I will cut myself short here, but Seneca, in the first portion of this letter, is saying, you've got to stop moving around. You've got to stop being pushed around. And you've got to stop otherwise feeling that being in any one place or avoiding being in any one place for an extended period of time is doing anything to help you change who you have been up to now. I identify with this. Maybe you do as well. When I was in my early 30s, I remember being hit by a revelation that I couldn't remain in Lake Worth, Florida because I'd been there since I was in eighth grade. And that being the case, I wouldn't be able to escape the way people perceived me. And so I wasn't in an environment where it was possible for me to change because the expectations of me, the insights into my character at the time, were too overpowering. I couldn't change if no one believed I could change. So I spent a lot of time moving around, even before this. Tennessee, Georgia, Maine, Colorado, other places too. And every time I got to one of those places, you know what I found? I was the same person expressing the same behaviors, whether or not anyone in those places knew anything about me. So eventually, I'd feel that in Norcross, Georgia, for example, I couldn't change because it was too well known who I was already. And who I was at that time was a person who drank a lot, took very little seriously, and wasted a lot of time, disrespected a lot of people, didn't think about the future really at all. But the thing was, I was that person. And I did want to change, but I didn't want to change hard enough. That's what the problem was. That I thought pressing the geographical reset button was the solution. And when I did, and it wasn't, I thought I had just screwed up the reset process and had to reset again. When in truth, it wasn't where I was, it was who I was. And what I wasn't yet actually committed to doing. And that is how it is for everyone, I think. Seneca is getting at that point here, I think. He's saying constant movement isn't conducive to addressing the things you actually need to be addressing in your life. Here, Lucilius is clearly trying to change something about the person he has been in the past. He's not going to outrun the past. He's not going to be able to become the person he wants to become until he accepts that location isn't what's key. Focus, attention, and time is what's key. Now, at the same time, And in what might at first seem like a contradiction, Seneca is saying you have to get physically away from those old triggers, for nothing can be so easily reignited as a flame that has only just died down to embers. And you don't want those things around you because you don't want those things setting you back on whatever amount of progress you've made up until that point. These are not contradictions, though. Seneca is saying movement doesn't solve problems, but that location can matter. 
So think about your own situation. Is there a person you're trying desperately to become? Is there something you're trying to change about yourself? A habit, perhaps, that you're trying to give into less often and then eventually not into at all? Are you struggling? Maybe you're not actually addressing the problem the way you should be. Maybe, for example, you're keeping yourself distracted through constant movement, but you're not actually finding time in between those distractions to sit and be calm and actually work on yourself. Maybe that's because where you are doesn't allow you to find that time without exposing you to those embers, to those triggers. Maybe you need a change of venue so that you can spend time focusing on a change of character. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I see that you are a free listener. That's okay, but if you'd like to get rid of ads and support everything we do here at Practical Stoicism, which includes not just the seven episodes a week that you've grown accustomed to, but also lecture series, special events, mini documentaries, and all kinds of other things, you can go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to do just that. Your support is appreciated, and thank you again for listening. Until next time, take care. Take care.